You guys are really friendly. Clash? Anybody in here play Clash of Clans? Let's go. What's, what's your clan? What's it called? Sigma Kappa what? Drip? <laughs> Bro, I will meet you any day. You pick my clan versus your clan. Clash of the Clans, if you guys don't know, is like a 13-year-old game. <laughs> I can't believe people are still playing. But I love it. You just love what you love, right? It's good to know that I'm not that old, although I am old. I've got a daughter and a family. Anybody celebrate the devil's birthday yesterday? Hmm? Anybody want to confess? I was at a fall festival while you guys were out. That's why you're in church today. We're working on that. That is my blue ribbon chicken. Her name is Georgia Duke. That's a good place to say, aw. She uh, loves Sesame Street, and she was living the dream yesterday. And so she, she loved it. She had so much fun. And we were just out praying for people. We were out canceling assignments, seeing ghosts and ghouls in people's yards, and just cancel, cancel, just cancel it. People are open portals to things they didn't even understand. We're out, we're canceling the assignments. <laughs> I'm not one of those super, some of you guys are like, is he being serious? <laughs> Maybe. Uh, well, y'all, you, you get to be pastored by an amazing couple. Come on, put your hands together for Justin and Emily. We've been friends for a number of years. Uh, when I came around, he was in Elevation and he did production and did all kinds of different things. And he's just pastoring an amazing ministry and so y'all, uh, the word says that we should esteem our leaders highly for the way that they lead us. And so come on one more time. Let's put our hands together for Justin and Emily. We got any life group leaders in the house? Raise your hand if you're a life group leader. Come on, y'all put your hands together for your life group leaders. That is the backbone of any healthy ministry. Uh, but the truth is, you know, we're a part of a church, uh, New Life Church. And our senior pastors, Pastor Rick and Michelle, I would not be where I am today if it was not for them. Uh, my wife, Callie, she's right here. Come on, y'all, put your hands together for my wife. As you saw from the photos, I'm married impossibly up, impossibly high. Uh, that's one of the good things about being in ministry is God just blesses you with an amazing wife. And she is a Proverbs 31 woman. Uh, she is better on the inside than she is on the outside. And although she is gorgeous, she is full of integrity. Uh, she's somebody to be honored. She works hard, and I'm thankful for my wife. Come on, y'all, put your hands together for my wife. Um, but she was here, the first New Life Church service ever, right? You were here. Where were you sitting? Do you remember? Back there in that seat. And so she's gotten to see New Life Church in the beginning, and I want you guys to know that you're a part of something special here in Conway. Uh, God is doing something amazing, and the rest of our churches do not exist without the faithfulness of the Conway campus. And so we're thankful for them. Uh, my wife, Callie, and I, along with this guy, actually, coincidentally, get to lead down at the downtown church, and Caleb's helping us out, leading worship and doing all kinds of things. But uh, we planted that church about three years ago, and it has been a ride. Uh, we aspire to be a church that looks like the city that we're in. And the truth is, is that Jesus loved people who were in the gutter and Jesus loved people who were in the high rise. Jesus loved the religious people and the irreligious people. Jesus loved the oppressed and the oppressor. Jesus loves people. Jesus came for people. 
And so that's what we exist for. That's what we live for. And so that's the gospel that we try to preach. And so today uh, I get the honor to kick off a series uh, called, What Do I Do? Right? Did I get that right? I nailed it. Uh, What do I do? My message title, if you're taking notes, is what to do when you don't know what to do. What to do when you don't know what to do. And uh, I'm going to be in Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Go with me to it. When you got it, say, I got it. You got it, you got it, you got it. And I'm going to read out of the message version, but we're also going to be referencing uh, the New Living Translation some as well. Here's what it says. It says, so here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work, going to the coffee shop, going to school, walking around life. I added a little bit there. And place it before God as an offering. Another translation says, as a living sacrifice. Everybody say living sacrifice. As a living sacrifice. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. We're going to jump into it. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that you are so good. God, we thank you in every season, God, that you show us that you're better than we even imagined in the season before. And so, Holy Spirit, we pray that you would speak to us, that you'd be near with us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, come on, everybody said, amen. Caleb, thank you for keeping that opener spiritual. I'll see you in about 10 minutes. Um. So my wife, Callie, and I, we live down in Little Rock. Uh, We love it down there. We love where we live. And uh, I'm a little ADD. Anybody else in here going to admit to being a little ADD? Maybe you've been on medication. I was on medication most of my life. (laughs) And I drove my teachers insane. And so now uh, when I go to the grocery, I do grocery runs. I'm pretty efficient, right? So when you have ADD, you have to learn to put systems in place because if you don't have systems, you're going to run all over the place. You're going to get nothing done. All right. So when I go to the grocery store, I have a system. I go in. What's the first thing you do at the grocery store? This is a test. These are terrible answers. Terrible answers. Come on. What's the first food item you reach for? Veggies and fruits. Come on. Yeah. Get, get some of that. There we go. We got it. You start with the veggies, then you go around and you get your meat, right? And then next, you make your way over, you go to the dairy section, you get your cheese, you get your eggs, and then next, you go to the best section of the whole store, the snack section, all right? I spend too much time in the snack section, and I have to go on diets about three times a year, all right? Uh, Callie got, we have a daughter now, and she got the industrial size of goldfish, industrial size. I finished that off in one week by myself, Okay. We all got things we got to work on, right? That, that's for me. And I, I, I had to go on a diet immediately after that. And so once you're done with snacks, you go over to the beverage section, right? Beverage of choice for us. If you come to our house, we have LaCroix, we have tap water, and we have milk, and that is all, okay? So that's what we go in and do. And you're done. You're out. You check out. It's over unless you're on the phone. 
unless you're on the phone. Then I go in and it never fails. When I'm on the phone, I'm a pastor, so I'm talking to people, talking through things. I go for the asparagus. It is not there. It's not where it's supposed to be. And I'm, I'm in trouble, right? And so I just start like wandering aimlessly. You know, I want to ask somebody, but I can't, you know, interrupt the person who's on the phone. And so I end up in the apple section. There's no asparagus over there, right? It's asparagus, it's broccoli, and at that point, I'm in trouble, okay? Everything's thrown off, and eventually, I just end up standing in the corner in the store trying to finish the conversation. The truth is, is that when we are distracted, a lot of times, we end up staying in places too long, and sometimes, we end up making homes in places that we were just supposed to pass through, places like bitterness, places like fear, places like hurt and offense, and the truth is, y'all, so many people in 2020, have gotten stuck in places they were supposed to pass through because they were distracted and they forgot their purpose. I wonder what your dreams are. I wonder what you dream about. Where you hope to be. I was in the back and I was praying for you guys before service and I just started thinking about all the different things that you're dreaming about, the career that you're dreaming about, the person that you're dreaming to marry, the kids you're dreaming to have. And the truth is, is that you are going to find your life most fulfilled in the place where God is most pleased. You're going to find your life most fulfilled in the place where God is most pleased. You know, he instructs us to live our lives as a living sacrifice. Everybody say living sacrifice. The problem with a living sacrifice is it always wants to crawl off the altar. If you look back in the Old Testament, they were under a sacrificial system. And when they wanted to bring guilt offerings, they could bring one of three things. They could bring pigeons. Everybody say pigeons. They could bring goats. Everybody say goats. Or they could bring bulls. Everybody say bulls. Which one of those things do you think is the most expensive? The bulls. You know, the truth is, is that as you go through life, everybody has been given different things. But the truth is that God sets standards for the sacrifice that we were supposed to bring. And so back in the Old Testament system, there were animal sacrifices. Jesus came and he was the fulfillment of all that God had said that he was going to do. And now the sacrifice that God asked for is a life of sacrifice. You know, I preached this this morning. This bit is for free. It's not in my notes, but it's just on my heart for you guys. Are you all familiar with the story of the rich young ruler? And he comes in and he says, I've kept the law my entire life. And I want to know how to get to heaven. One of the things that I've learned pastoring is so many people, and this was me, this was me. I'm going to tell you a story here in a second. So many people live their Christian life trying to get to heaven. And the truth is, is that Jesus didn't come just to get you to heaven, but to get heaven in you. The gospel is not just the minimum requirement to get you into heaven, but it's the power of God to change your life today. And what Paul is teaching here, and he's saying, bring your whole life, bring everything you've got as a living sacrifice. Then look what he says in the message version. He says, embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. You know, the story of the rich young ruler, I feel like it's pretty brutal, Right? Like, could you imagine going to someone and saying, hey, I'm trying to get more spiritual. What should I do? And they say, give away everything you've got and come follow me. College students, I remember, that's not that hard to imagine at this point in life, right? We're poor. 
But this guy had great wealth. Jesus was getting at the core of where he found his identity. And the truth is that what this guy dreamed about, where he found himself, was in his wealth. You know, there's another story of somebody else who God asked for their dream. Everybody say Abraham. There's a story of Abraham and Isaac. You're all familiar with that story? Basically, Abraham was super old, and he believed that God was going to turn him into a great people, that he was going to have a lineage. But he was like 100, okay, which is pretty gross, trying to have kids at 100. Go with that visual. And the miracle is that they were able to have a child. The child's name was Isaac, and this was Abraham's dream. God had accomplished. He'd done the thing that he promised he was going to do. And he raised him. And not when he was a baby, but when he was most likely a teenager, God said, I want you to take your son, I want you to take your dream, and I want you to take it up a mountain, and I want you to kill your son. I want you to kill your dream and set it on fire. What does Abraham do? He takes his son and he stacks wood on his back and his son says, where are we going? What are we going to do? He says, we're going to make a sacrifice to the Lord. And he says, where's the sacrifice? He said, God will provide. And they go up the mountain. And Abraham's faithful. He creates the altar. He puts his son on the altar. And he raises the dagger to his dream. And that's the moment where God says, stop. And the story goes that there was a ram in the thicket. Y'all, here's the good news. When God asks you for something that you could not imagine giving him, there is always a ram in the thicket. God always provides what we need. And we look at that story of the rich young ruler, and I feel like this is for somebody today. God is asking you to trust him with your dream. And the truth is you will never regret giving God what he asked for because what's in his hand is always better than what's in our hand alone. And so my question for you is, is what are you dreaming about? Maybe some of you guys, you're in a place where you you don't have a dream. You don't know what life is supposed to look like, and you're sitting here and you're saying, I don't have any idea what I'm supposed to do with my life. I want you to remember this. We're going to dig into this. Everybody say assignment. Assignment is greater than opportunity. Assignment is greater than opportunity. So number one, I want you to write this down. You've got to ask a couple questions. Number one, we've got to ask God what pleases him. When's the last time you made a decision through the lens of what would please God versus what would please you? You made a decision, a life decision. What would give God the most pleasure instead of what would give you the most pleasure? That stings, like that, that hurts me to say it, Right? Romans 12, 2, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you'll learn God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. I wonder how you make decisions. This is something that God's been working on me with this year. How often would you want to please God and say, God, what would please you versus do what would make you the happiest? Now, these are not always mutually exclusive ideas, but I heard, I heard this quote. So our chief concern when attending church, when being a part of the body of Jesus Christ, should not be what pleases us, but what pleases him. 
When's the last time you made a decision based on what would please him, what would make him the happiness, happiest, what would move his efforts forward? You know, the truth is, is where he is the most pleased, we're going to be the most fulfilled. Where God is the most pleased, I am the most fulfilled. And it's his glory that fills our lives. So what's he entrusted you with? What has God uniquely gifted you with? And what does it look like to engage in the building of God's kingdom with that gift? Verse four through six, it says, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We're many parts in one body and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. Have you guys ever been talking to somebody and they said, uh, checking my clock, are we counting down? Okay, I got a little time. And they said, I'm just in a season. You guys ever heard this? Come on. Y'all ever heard this? You're talking to somebody like, I'm just in a season. What does that mean? That means that they do not like what is going on in their life right now and they want it to change. Amen? The truth is that when you're going through hard times, you are not in a season, you're on an assignment. And so often we miss the assignment of God because we're focused on getting out of what God has put us in. Look at the scripture. It's full of stories who are, of people who are in difficult circumstances, but they have to trust God to be faithful in those circumstances. I wonder how many of you guys, if you're honest, are ready to be out of college. Like you're done. Some of you guys, you're a little hesitant, but you know it's true, right? I know that's the wrong answer. <laughs> what assignment could God have you on in the season that you're in? What person... Could God want you to share your story with in the time that you're in? You know, if we get focused on seasons, the thing about seasons is you cannot change a season. It doesn't matter how much you want to, you can't make it move from summer to fall. It's just gotta move from summer to fall. You know, we do not control the, the seasons, but we control what we do in the seasons that we're in. And so when you don't know what to do, pray for assignment, don't pray for season change. Ask God, what is the purpose for the time that I'm in? Why have you placed me here? Because if you are a Christian, oh, listen. The gospel is that God himself came from heaven to earth. He moved heaven and earth. He came in our flesh. He came into difficult situations. He didn't have to do that. He's God, right? But he came. He came in the form of a man. And he lived a perfect life. Can we talk about the moral and civil law for a second? Can we go to school? I know y'all do that all the time. Can I geek out for a second? Okay. I've had permission. Have you ever read the teachings of Jesus where he says things like, if you, are, if you hate your brother, you have committed murder? <laughs> and he says things like, if your eye causes you to lust, rip it out. How many of you people, don't raise your hand, have looked in the mirror and said, maybe I should rip my eyes out. <laughs> this might be the only option. That's what Jesus said to do. Was he being serious? There's a dude with the eye patch in the back. He... <laughs> if you look on a woman with lust, you've committed adultery. You know, the truth is, is that God came himself to do for us what we could never do. Jesus was the fulfillment of the civil law 
That's the things that God put in place in the Old Testament, but he was also the fulfillment of the moral law. You know, the truth is that when you read the Beatitudes, this is in Matthew chapter five, Matthew chapter six, Jesus is escalating the law. He's saying, don't just lust, don't, don't just not commit adultery. Don't even think about committing adultery. He's convicting you of thought crime. <laughs> think about that. Who could live up to this? Who could live this life? Only one person, and his name is Jesus. And he came to set you free from trying to live up to this impossible standard, and you can accept the free gift of grace. When you read the Old Testament, he didn't just fulfill the law, he fulfilled the stories. This is the story of Joseph. God gave him a dream, and God said, I'm gonna set people free through you. You're gonna set captives free. Jesus is the true Moses. He's the true Joseph. He's the true Moses. People were captive. They were enslaved in Israel. God said, I'm going to make you, Moses, a mediator between me and people. It's the true David. David was small and meek, but defeated a giant. He's like Noah. He was cast into the ocean to save others. Listen to this. We talked about Moses and Joseph, but he's the true David. He didn't just defeat the giant at the risk of his life, but at the cost of his life. The giant of sin and death. He's the true Noah who was cast into the ocean of God's wrath for the salvation of all people. Y'all listen. God did not do all this. Let's bring it back down. God did not tell this amazing story. He didn't put all these things in place and then fulfill them in Jesus to not give you direction in life. For you to not know what his will is. Y'all listen. It is a myth that you can't know the will of God for your life. I fully believe we can know what God has for us. We can't know our seasons, but we can know our assignment. God did not move heaven and earth not to tell you what to do, amen? Has anybody in here ever struggled with that? Y'all, my hand is so far up. I feel like in this past year, God started to set me free. Teaching me to ask the right questions. Listen, if you know what lane you're supposed to be in, you'll know your limits. Your lane determines your limits. If God shows you what your assignment is, you know where you're supposed to stay. Y'all listen, some of you guys may not know what your assignment is right now. You're sitting here, you're listening to this, you're like, Bronson, that sounds good. I'm glad that you know God's perfect will all the time. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that God, I'm, I have full faith God will reveal my assignment. But what do you do in the in-between? What do you do while you're waiting? Number one, you gotta love your neighbor. We're gonna get through these last few verses in Romans 9 through 10, then I'm gonna close. It says this, Romans 12, 9 through 10, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what's wrong, hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Y'all, honor and loving people seems to have gone out of style in 2020. <laughs> Come on. Ain't nobody honoring anybody. We're going into this week and uh, somebody's gonna be elected president, right? Who'd you guys vote for? <laughs> Just kidding. 
Uh, too soon. But y'all, who's voted into office does not determine who's on the throne. Jesus is on the throne. And can I be bold with them, Justin? Can I be, can I pastor you guys for a second? Don't be the college students who have your identity so wrapped up into a political system that they have to bring in comfort animals for you when, you're, when your person doesn't get elected. Be the college students who are so full of faith that you say, you know what, that person's in office, but Jesus is on the throne and the kingdom of God is breaking in and God's got me on assignment. I'm here. I'm not thrilled that person got elected, but it is not gonna prevail against the kingdom of God. Let's be people who are full of faith. Let's be people who are assignment. Let's be people who love people because that's what Jesus did, amen? So when you don't know what to do, you don't know where you're supposed to be, start loving people where they're at. And y'all listen, while I'm preaching, (laughs) it is not not loving to tell someone the truth. It's not loving to do it in the wrong heart. It's not loving to do it with judgment. But y'all, we've got to be a people who love holiness, who love honoring God, who love chasing after God. Because where God is going, that's where I want to go. Amen? So my last three points here. Number one, love people. Number two, work hard. Everybody say work hard. Romans 12, 11 says, never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Y'all, good work is an act of love. Let's just real quick, look at this stage right here. Actually, look at the chair that you're sitting in. Everybody look, look at the chair. Get to know the chair. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. It's comfortable. Think about if you alone had to put this chair together by yourself. You have to weave the fabric. You have to somehow create that foam. Don't know how they did that. Good luck. You have to dig up the minerals for the metal. And you got to figure out how to put it together. And then somehow create the tools from nothing, to fashion this thing into a chair. Needles, thread, hammers, whatever, welding materials. Y'all, bringing order to a society is loving your neighbor. Listen, you can love people by simply doing good work. Think about all the things in our world that would be so much more difficult if nobody worked hard. <laughs> if nobody, you know, let me tell you, anybody in here have a garbage man who comes and gets your stuff? How frustrated are you when half the garbage is still in the garbage can? Don't know how it happens. Don't understand it. But that means that I'm going to have overflowed garbage. Do y'all deal with that? Maybe that's just a litter rock thing. Y'all, working hard is a way that God has for you to love your neighbor. You don't know what your assignment is. You don't know what you're supposed to do. Work hard and diligently at the things that God has given you. And you're going to prove yourself. Somebody who's faithful with little, God's going to give more. Last thing, rejoice, be patient, and pray. Everybody say rejoice. Everybody say be patient. Everybody say pray. Romans 12, 12, it says rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. Listen, I just want you all to take a second here. 
what can you rejoice for? If anybody in here, I, I made light of the election stuff a little bit ago. <laughs> I know it's serious. I know for some of you guys, this is really weighing on you. Something Callie and I did when we were dating. I'm a realist. Some people like to say a pessimist. I'm recovering. When we were dating, I'd start getting really negative about stuff. Anybody know a friend like that? Go ahead and elbow him. Just complain about everything. Hard to be around. You don't like him that much. That was me. Uh, and so when Callie and I would be talking, and I would be getting into that place, she'd say, I'm not going to talk to you for one more second until you name five things that you're grateful for, five things that you're thankful for. And I begrudgingly was like, the sun's out, you know, like just trying to get through the list. But every time, every time, by the time I got to three or four, my attitude started to shift. Yo, God has designed us. He knows how you're supposed to live. And he tells us to rejoice. In hard times, he says, rejoice, be patient, and pray. Y'all, listen, don't rush through this season in your life. The battles you fight today are gonna set the trajectory for your future. Now, God can break in at any point in your life, but why not right now? Why not fight the battles right now? Instead of lineage for your life. You know, I don't know where you guys grew up. I don't know what you came from. I grew up in a broken home with a drug addicted father. I battled drug addiction. That's my story. I had an opiate addiction. I ended up having to go through rehab. And the truth is, my prayer is that my daughter doesn't have to fight that same battle, overcoming a life where dad is unreliable because you don't know what's going to happen in him. I know that the battles I fight, my kids are going to get to stand on that battleground. You know, the truth is the battles you fight today, you can't see it, but God sees it. The battles you fight as a single person, you're not going to bring those things into your marriage. Fight those battles. Be where you're at. Be patient. Put the work in because y'all, God is doing amazing things in our world. And I'm believing. A lot of people are looking at you guys and they're saying, the world is in trouble. <laughs> I don't believe that. I see people who are full of faith. I see people who see a world of possibilities. I see people who are gonna live on assignment, who are gonna honor God, who are gonna fight battles who are gonna be innovative in the way that they do it. I believe God's got his hand on this generation. And I just wanna speak over you that God's got things for you. God's got amazing things for you. So love your neighbors, work hard, rejoice, be patient and pray. This is the last thing I wanna talk about is prayer. Yo, Callie and I have been in a season this year. 2020 been hard for anybody? We've been in a season. Been in a season. It's a long one. It's been difficult, y'all. It's a difficult season to live through. It's a difficult season to lead through. But God has shown himself faithful time and time and time again. Y'all, I don't know what it is about this year, but I believe that this is the year for bold prayers. For some reason, I don't know how to describe it, as Callie and I have been interceding and we, we've been bringing some things to God that before we would have just kept to ourselves. 
Y'all, God has been making a way for us time and time and time again. And so here's my question. It's what I want to leave you with. What to do when you don't know what to do. Love people, work hard, rejoice, be patient, and pray. I believe prayer moves things. Prayer changes things. What are the battles you've been fighting that maybe you've given up on? What are the places in your life? It could be an addicted parent like what I've been going through. It could be something going on. It could be relational tension. Anybody had relational tension this year? Gosh. God can heal. God rebuilds broken places. God makes away in the wilderness, and he makes rivers in the desert. That's what he does. Y'all, can we be a people who pray bold prayers? What's on your heart? I just want you to take a moment here as the worship team comes up. Get out your phones or your notebooks. Anybody do notebooks anymore? If you got a notebook, I want to see it. Yes, yes, yes. Give yourselves a hand. That's good. That was weak, but we'll... That was a, that was a notebook clap. I'll give you that. What do you need to be praying for? Write it down. Stick it in your Bible. Go back to it time and time and time again. If you don't know what to do in your life, start writing down vision. Start writing down things that you're believing God for and see if he doesn't move on your behalf. I want to I give you guys something. Test God in it. We don't know exactly what's going to happen. We don't know the timing it's going to happen. But I believe that a lot of times we learn the will of God in prayer. God speaks to us. Justin talked about this a few weeks ago. We take what we believe he's spoken to us and we bring it to people we trust. They're called counselors. A wise man has a lot of them. And then we take it back to the word and say, does it line up with the word? If that's the will of God, I'm gonna chase after that. I'm gonna believe for that. So I just want you to take a few moments here. The worship team's gonna play. Give them a few moments before we start to sing. Who's leading this song? You? Okay. Give him a second. Let him write some things down and lead him into that song, okay? Guys, bow your heads all across the room. God, we thank you for your...